Lightning House. Let's ride. It is Lightning Round presented by Fantasy Alarm. I am Kevin Topkins, Britt Flynn to my right on the screen. And no, even though the trade deadline did not pass, we did not trade Coop uh, straight up for Gary. Uh, we got a package of picks as well. Uh, but Gary joining us uh, for week eight, my friend, my uh, the, the the original Lightning Round OG. How you doing, my friend? I am doing fantastic. Always happy when I can uh, come and sub in for Mr. Koopaloop. And uh, I'm very, I'm excited to be here, man. If, if Koop's going to be in Iceland, this is the best place I could be. Well, we got the good end of the deal here as far as getting the uh, the, the trade. We're still working out the, like, the details. We got the trade in. We, we got a uh, washer and dryer to be named later as well in the deal. So uh, we're definitely on the good end of it here. Uh, don't tell him I said that. Can we also yeah. just talk about how Coop is becoming a superstar in Iceland? Like everywhere oh, this man goes, <laughs> everywhere this man goes, he makes friends. Like right? he's he's building an Iceland contingency for fantasy football <laughs> and and lightning round and fantasy alarm. Like this guy is an ambassador. It's great. Uh, is he actually going to do that radio spot in Iceland? Because that would be so amazing. <laughs> I would think. I mean, I, I just so. if. If we could find a way to be like the fantasy footballers of Iceland, I mean, I've always wanted to go to Iceland, uh, so I feel like that would be a a real feather in our cap here uh, on our on our road to uh, obvious superstardom. Yeah, it would be amazing. And world, also, I just like the idea baby. that Coop is now international, internationally famous for his fantasy takes. Tight ends across the world unite. Yeah, Iceland. I heard his big tight end uh, contingent there, so uh, yeah. <laughs> on, only fitting that Coop would be. Uh, you know, running, running, uh, running wild in the uh, in Reykjavik in Iceland. So, uh, certainly love to see it. But uh, we are not without fantasy football, of course. Here, uh, without Coop, because it is the Week Nine strategy strategy section, as well as we got some questions. So let's get right into it here. Uh, if you're in the chat, let us know and say hi, uh, as well too. Uh, I will, I'll pose this to, uh, to Gary first. Cause it's, uh, you know, we went through the trade deadline, uh, one of the gr- craziest, like two, three hour periods that I can think of aside from like an NFL off season, uh, or the free agency, um, you know, in March, but lots of players were traded. I mean, obviously we had a couple beforehand, but, uh, CMC got traded. We'll not, we won't talk about him, but of the deals that were made, um, you know, at the deadline, Gary, uh, who's the biggest winner of the deadline? So I actually really like the Chase Claypool move. I think that uh, not only do you get Justin Fields getting this huge bump, we've already seen him going on a tear. I'm going to talk about him a little bit later too. But now Chase Claypool, who had this amazing rookie season and then kind of dipped the last couple of years, and he's had some good targets uh, this year, but it tended to be a lot more with Trubisky. And then now he gets to become the de facto number one. They paid for him to be the number one and we've seen what this guy can do and he can be all over the field and make plays and it just i feel like he could potentially unlock a little bit of mooney so mooney's not the one and you know we'll kind of see it obviously there's a weird capped ceiling with how much fields is going to throw but you know this is this is the next 18 months before um uh claypool's contract is up and they get to actually see what they're going to be doing with fields long-term now. So. Yeah. I, that one really surprised me that he ended up going to the bears specifically. Like we knew that green Bay really does need a wide receiver. And then it came out after the trade that green Bay was actually looking into Claypool. And then the bears come in there and like swoop him out from under which is kind of crazy to me also because the Bears do seem to be in complete rebuilding mode, especially on their defense. But if you look at Claypool, he's a young receiver. He doesn't really have that much in way of a contract or capital um, that they're going to have to spend on him down the road. I think it's a brilliant move if you're rebuilding. Start rebuilding you know, this year and then get all the rest of your pieces with your draft capital next season. So fully on board with this. Yeah, I like it. Um, it's, you know, basically the trade ended up being like off ball linebacker Roquan Smith for like switching him out for Chase Claypool, which Bears have been pretty much weapon bereft outside of Darnell Mooney. And I guess if you want to throw Cole Komet in there, but anytime you can take uh, the corpse of Equinemia St. Brown off the field and add in Chase Claypool, 
uh, the literal definition of a grown ass man. If you want to look that up in the dictionary, uh, <laughs> flag and his picture will be uh next to it but yeah uh it's it's good for fields um and i kind of like them those two playing off each other a little more we know uh claypool can play in the slot that's what he was doing with pittsburgh and now that opens opens up probably more for Fryermuth in pittsburgh but uh for mooney and claypool with Komet, i mean that's a pretty young core if justin fields has a little bit of something you know, that's going to be really good for those. And we know Claypool could be a deep threat was rookie year. What was it? 11 touchdowns or something crazy like that. So um, I think it's a good move. I just, you know, they've got to just go more toward the pass a little bit. They cannot be, you know, Falcons leather helmet offense light and expect to get what they want on the chase Claypool. So I do like it from a football standpoint. I like it from a talent standpoint for Claypool. I'm just worried about the offense a little bit, and at least immediate fantasy value. But if you have him, I'm probably I'm pr- seeing if I have other options, at least for the first week. Uh, and then just seeing if, I mean, if he goes, you know, 90% of the routes off the, off the jump, then, you know, you're, you're good to go. But it doesn't always work out for these guys, at least in the, in the, in the very beginning, they've got to get their feet wet and learn how the system works. So, um, definitely do like Claypool. Just a uh, little hesitant, but the talent's there. So uh, we'll roll with it. Uh, Brett, what about you? You're a winner for the trade deadline. So I think it was Chase Edmonds. We really had high hopes for him going into Miami, you know, in the offseason and training camp and even preseason. Everyone was like, Chase Edmonds is going to be the guy in Miami. He had the running back potential and the pass catching potential. And then Raheem Mostert came in and kind of stole the show. We know that. Edmonds does have that pass catching ability because that's where he served primarily in Arizona. And now he goes to Denver where they lost Javante Williams. They're running with Latavius Murray, you know, Melvin Gordon, just basically some guys, some Jags. Let's just be real. Um, And we also know that Denver kind of does like to check down. We saw in week one that Denver checked the ball down to, to Javante 19 freaking times. So now that they have a legit pass catching option, I think that they're really going to get him involved and that Chase Edmonds is actually going to have some fantasy value. So super excited. I, I do like that. He's gone. I just, this coaching staff hates Melvin Gordon. Like that's crystal clear. They seem to love Latavius Murray. So I, I do think it'll take, two weeks and they're on a bye so who knows maybe we come out and Edmonds ends up being the starter or whatever they say that Melgo is going to be the starter but uh, that doesn't sound realistic to me these guys love Latavius so if he can beat out Latavius which I don't think there there's a ton to beat out there except for they seem to trust him a lot in pass protection so if he can prove to be a better pass protector then I think that they'll roll with Edmonds but let's be crystal clear Edmonds looked like total garbage in Miami so he's got a lot of rebuilding to do and They'll find out in the next, what, 15 days whether or not he's uh, he was worthwhile to bring on, even if he was not the main piece of that. Well, so I don't think he's going to be like the starter starter, but I do think he's going to have value in like a la a Naheem Hines thing. Like, I guess I should have included that. that in there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little uh, perplexed by the move. I guess it was just to get some of the salary off the books there with in, in a fresh start for Edmonds. Um, yeah, Chase Edmonds was uh, dead last in rushing yards over expectation. Uh, and just, you know, as we know, the whole goal line thing uh, with only eight career carries inside the five. Uh, so, I mean, we're, we're not ticketing him for that kind of work. That's probably going to stay with Latavius Murray, Melvin Gordon to some extent. Uh, so yeah, you're basically hoping that he can be a kind of a version of Naheem Hines. And I just don't think that, um, you know, he's RB 48 right now. I'm just not enthused by at least this move. It just Denver is collecting running back, like dead running backs at this point. They're basically like last year's Ravens and at least last year's Ravens were productive, uh, with Murray and, you know, Devonta Freeman and Le'Veon Bell and, um, all these and Tyson Williams. But I mean, it's. Not great, Bob. So uh, McDaniel hated Chase Edmonds more than Denver hated Melko. Yeah, uh, he's definitely in contention uh, there. But yeah, um, I'm just it's it's not a great move uh, for me as far as for fantasy. I mean, he's rosterable, but 
eventually I think he just hits the waiver wire and then somebody else picks him up on some false promises and lather rinse repeat. Uh, for me, um, I like Naheem Hines to Buffalo. I think Devin Singletary's role is a bit safe. They tend to roll him out in high leverage situations. They love trusting him in, you know, neutral game scripts, running the ball and catching passes. So I think Devin Singletary's fine. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any threat to his workload, even though Naheem Hines is pretty underrated as far as a ball carrier. Um, obviously, we know he's a really, really good uh, kickoff punt return guy. And uh, in the offseason was rumored to be uh, taking some slot work, which didn't uh, were, came to fruition a little bit. But, you know, we all got our expectations super high on Naheem Hines. So uh, going to Buffalo, much better offensive environment there. I think he works his way into the slot conversation with Isaiah McKenzie not really taking a lot of the uh, opportunity that was afforded to him. Obviously, Jamison Crowder didn't hasn't really worked out that well. Uh, they've been a little bit more hesitant to throw uh, or to throw Khalil Shakir out there, too. So, I mean, Naheem Hines at least can be another weapon for for a great team and just another weapon for Josh Allen to throw the ball to. So um, I, I do like this, and I think just based on the offensive environment and the opportunities that he might get uh, in Buffalo, I think Hines is a big winner here, and I think he's going to be uh, get an upgrade in value. I don't think he's going to be cracking uh, top 24 uh, most weeks, but I think he can flirt with being a very low end wide receiver to a good flex or running back to in a good flex. Yeah. And we kind of touched on it with Chase Edmonds, you know, Buffalo went out and they tried to trade for JD McKissick. They wanted a pass catching running back. And then that didn't work. He went back to Washington. They tried to draft James cook, but James cook has really kind of not lived up to their expectations in pass pro. And so Naeem Hines is actually this guy who's been proven year after year who can be this guy who can fulfill all of these roles and actually have an immediate role, especially on a championship competing offense. So I love it. Gary, what do you think? So we know that they've been trying to fill this pass catching role for how long? I mean, they, they were in on JD McKissick. They drafted James, uh, James Cook, and now they're going here. It, I want to know what they're going to do. Like, that's what I'm excited for because they clearly wanted this. And is it just a replacement in case for a stretch run? I mean, they're clearly like the odds on favorite. Does Allen even pass to the running backs? All I know is that I see when he does and he's like, he, he does it great. Cause he's freaking Josh Allen, dude. He's awesome at everything he does. So I, I agree with the, he's a huge winner. I agree with, he probably won't crack top 24, I think that this is just that offense just getting stronger and stronger. And it's such an indication to me that James Cook either just isn't ready or they feel like they they busted already on that second round pick. So, hey, Devin Singletary and Hines, I, they're going to split more than JT and, and Hines were. So no matter what, his his stock to me is looking up from where it was before. Yeah, it's like it reminds me of like a MLB deadline where like the good the the really good team gets a uh, really good left handed reliever. Like it's not going to jump off the page at you as far as a great move, but for like the total team aspect and coming in in like crunch situations, it's like just so invaluable of a role. Like that seems to me that's that's Naheem Hines in a, in a nutshell for me. Um, and I'll and I'll go to this too from Scampers. I think Camara might be the biggest trade de- trade deadline winner. Um, yeah, I mean, I was wondering if Camara was, might've been dealt to like the Eagles or something that was like some of the scuttlebutt there, but, um, yeah, I think that's certainly in consideration too. And I will answer this question real quick before we go, uh, to our next, uh, question. I need to start as a flex pull PPR, uh, Pittman Dobbs and Kadarius Tony. Uh, you still got to start Pittman, uh, even though it is Ellinger. Uh, didn't look super great, but I think he showed enough to at least have a little bit of staying power. But, you know, I think he's still got a roll of Pittman. I think he's still a mid, to, you know, maybe a lower tier wide receiver too, but I not for Dobbs or Tony, certainly. See, for me, it depends on how you look in your matchup. Like, do you need safety? Do you need floor? Or do you need upside? Because for upside, for me, it's Dubs against Detroit. Oh my God. All the way. Um, if you need a floor, then it's Pittman. So take that into consideration. 
I was about to say in my standard typical response to all of these floor Pittman ceiling dubs for the everything Brit said everything I would have said. I'm sorry, All I right. stole it. I stole it from our guest. I feel so. No, angry. it's good, <laughs> dude. I always answer all of these questions with it's either this or that. Every time you guys even ask me questions in the show doc, I tend to list like seven different players I want to discuss. So, <laughs> gotta get it in there while I'm here. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so, as far as um, you know, uh, our opinions and stuff from like the off season, we've talked about those. Um, you know, we haven't really talked about, you know, we talked about what we got wrong. We talked about what we got right. But, you know, we all have our opinions in the off season, And, you know, with with those opinions comes, you know, we got to change our minds. I mean, I've got information, man. New shit has come to light. And it, and it changes our opinions. So uh, I'll go to Gary first on this. Uh, what's one opinion of the that you had in the offseason that after these eight weeks, after these, uh, you know, has changed for you? So halfway through the season, this was looking correct. And it's Justin Fields was kind of just, it was a waste for fantasy. Like all these people that were talking about the ceiling that he had, it just, it was like, man, I'd much rather take Trey Lance, which, hey, whatever. And through the first four weeks, it was like, all right, like these guys are playing for first overall. The Bears just look terrible. Even though they came out the gate and beat the Niners. Oh, terrible game. But now, like the last four weeks, Justin Fields is Fun to watch play football. I, dude, he's run for 80, almost 90 yards, 80 yards, 60 yards in the last three games. I mean, he's been throwing touchdowns. I, he's just, he's fun to watch. And this is why the Chase Claypool thing just adds an extra level to that. Maybe Matt Eberflus just, you know, it's a new coach, new OC. Like it takes some time to click. Preseason totally is a joke. And even just, I mean, if you believe like the whole hubbub about the CBA made it so that practices are kind of a waste in August. So now we just got through four weeks. That was the preseason. All of a sudden they're starting to hit their stride. And I don't think that they're magically going to win the the NFC North or anything. But for a fantasy, I mean, if Fields was on the waivers, he should have been the top waiver pickup in almost every league this week. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Scampers, I'm with you too. I thought I knew something about fantasy football before the season started too. Those were the days. Uh, When you're feeling so good about your team, you're like, I've drafted the best team. All the draft analyzers are saying you're going to win your league. And now you're like two and six. We've done a lot of, we've done a lot of growing up in these last eight weeks. (laughs) Oh, so good. Um, But yeah, Gary, to your point, there's a fly on my forehead. That's gross. Um, <laughs> it started, it was like 50 and now it's 80. So all the flies have come back and I'm, my office is right next to the back door. So apparently this guy got in. Um, but th- last week's game against the Cowboys, you know, Dallas was such heavy favorites and Dallas has this great offense and they're going to completely crush the bears. And then fields kind of ran all over him. I mean, he threw a touchdown to Cole Komet. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let's let's get real. Like he is finding ways to get the ball to his playmakers in situations where he otherwise wouldn't. And I think going down the stretch that it's going to be even more fun. Now, I will say that the Bears, I think, do have the fourth toughest remaining schedule going forward in the league. So there's going to be a little bit of difficulty going forward. But I mean, he's still so fun to watch. Totally agree. He's so Kev, what about you? <laughs> yeah, last four weeks, he's been quarterback, too. Uh, behind Burrow. So, uh, yeah, Justin Fields. This is like the case study in why are rushing quarterbacks so valuable in fantasy? Like uh, Burrow. Fields has only had, what, one game over 200 yards in the past four weeks. Uh, But the rushing floor, I mean, what, 160, 220, 270 yards rushing, like in that time, and two touchdowns. He's only thrown more, more than one touchdown once, and that was last week. Like Justin Fields is a fantasy. Like he, I don't. Uh, he still gets played Detroit twice. I mean, there you go. I mean, if there's any reason to hold him, you're holding him for uh, the next couple games. Where after this week against Miami, he gets Detroit, Atlanta, Jets, Green Bay. Green Bay's you know that not been that great bye week, and then the first two games are brutal, Philly and Buffalo. But fantasy fantasy championship. 
Fields versus Detroit. So, uh, yeah, Justin Fields, you're you're not. It's weird because if you have if you picked up Fields off of waivers, more than likely either needed a quarterback or you had just a guy that you wanted off the bye weeks. Uh, but either way, you're sitting in a good spot. So hopefully you don't have to make a big decision whether to start like a you know Justin Herbert or Justin Fields. Uh, but if you had like Trey Lance and you picked up Justin Fields, you're loving life right now. So, uh, yeah, Justin Fields, he could be a league winner. Uh, he could win you a championship. That's wild to say in 2022, the year of our Lord. I love it. <laughs> I love it. We're, we're in the upside down. We are in. Yes, we are through the looking glass here, people. Uh, let's stay with that team, though, Britt. Uh, opinion from the offseason that has changed for you. Yeah, I'm going to go in the opposite direction, saying that I thought this guy from the Bears was going to be really, really damn good. I thought the target share, especially the one that he had last year as the, quote, number two, was only going to increase this season, that he was only going to get better, that his matchups were going to be better because they were going to be working from behind, da-da-da-da-da. This guy's Darnell Mooney. Like, I really thought that Darnell Mooney was going to be a thing, and he's not. Through eight weeks, he has had 44 total targets, and that's even kind of inflated by that 12-target game that he had in week six. Even with that 12-target game, he still only has five and a half on the, per game on the season. I mean, it's terrible. It just it looks awful. The guy is not wide receiver one material, at least at this point in the game. And, uh, yeah, it hurts to admit that I'm wrong, but I was wrong on Darnell Mooney. Maybe the second half we can see it. Uh, he goes back into that wide receiver two position. All of a sudden, we get some magic going. I would love it. I would love to see it at least like slightly vindicate me. So I don't have to <laughs> claim a capital L, maybe just a lowercase L on that one. Yeah. Recreate some magic, you know, uh, Darnell Mooney, daddy magic. Let's go. There's a new nickname right there. <laughs> daddy magic, Darnell Mooney. Let's go. Um, yeah. He said has not been the, uh, the receiver. He thought, you know, we were drafting in the uh, end of the fifth round, start of the sixth, but I mean, there, at least it's not at least it's not an Allen Robinson. Let's just say that that's a pretty low bar to clear. Uh, but I would say that, um, you know, he's been fine in that regard. Just he hasn't scored all season either. So, I mean, the targets at least are coming up from the first two weeks. But, you know, outside of that 12, tar- uh, he doesn't have anything over six besides that one 12 target game in week six. So, um, I mean, it's, he's hard to start. I mean, it's kind of you're hamstrung into starting him in your flex spot. But you don't ever feel great about it. You're just hoping that he pops off for that uh, long touchdown uh, when you have him. So not what you wanted out of your uh, mid round pick, certainly uh, in the, in the RB dead zone, but it is what it is at this point. Um, my opinion from the Aussie, and this is really my opinion from like the last couple years, but we'll just say it's from the, uh, uh, the off season that uh, Nick Chubb Dude. might just be a league winner. Take that, Kangas. Um, clip it. So, clip it. Yeah. We have got to clip it. Yep. Clip that shit. Um, yeah. So, I mean, say what you want about, you know, the Cleveland Browns. He He's relevant. He is number. He has been the number. Uh, he's number three right now behind Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey as far as uh, PPR. And I didn't think he could get that far, honestly. I mean, it's just goes to show how good of an actual runner he is in the NFL and the fact that he can be efficient when the carries that he does get, they the Browns have not been in like really bad game scripts either, which has helped for uh, Nick Chubb and has actually hurt the upside for Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt has been coming in to take a lot of those, uh, you know, getting, getting him off the field. Like Nick Chubb has just been out there. They've been riding him and who it can only get better with Deshaun Watson coming in a few, in a few weeks. Like Nick Chubb, I, I don't think we're going to ever, you know, say that he's an Austin Eckler getting, you know, six, seven targets uh, per game or anything like that. But just based on efficiency, like he is like the Jonathan Taylor play of last year where he can be so efficient with the opportunities that he gets um, as a really, really good real life runner. Um, I fucked up. I was wrong. 
Nick Chubb's a league winner. Clip that clip that one instead of the uh the one before. You can clip them both. I don't care. I love it. It's it's so nice to hear you finally come to the the force side. First Al Lazard and now <laughs> Nick Chubb. Like, We're, you're having an identity crisis at this point in the season. <laughs> like, what are we doing to you? What is the NFL doing to you at this point? I'm in the down season? bad, Britt. I'm down <laughs> bad. I just, I love it so much. Um, I've always loved Chubb. I loved him when he was at Georgia. I thought that a second round draft spot for him was an absolute steal. And then going to Cleveland, who really doesn't care whether or not they're down. They are going to stick to their guns. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play leather helmet football, like you like to say, Kevin. Um, <laughs> but but they're actually being successful with this method. And, um, I mean, Chubbs looked good. And he's even, like you said, he's gotten a little bit of those targets. He's basically taken over this backfield share. And I, I think when Deshaun Watson comes back, it's going to be even better because, you know, you've had to – uh, respect Jacoby Brissett this much through this point in the season. What are you guys going to do with Deshaun Watson when he comes back? So love Chubb, number one fan. Also very fun player to incorporate your fantasy football team names in, but that's a whole other story. So Gary, <laughs> what do you think Why about is that? Chubb? What's funny about his last name? <laughs> You're not going to bait me here. Um, I just want to say honorary mention here because – Josh Jacobs, dude, we collectively owe you a hug and an apology. I Granted, last week was not great, but oh my God, was Jacobs was so much fun, I feel like, for at least that three-week stretch. Just hope that he can keep it going and whatnot, but it's been awesome. So awesome. Yeah, um, let's take it a week at a time uh, with the names <laughs> that I have to start uh, touting here and saying that was wrong. Uh, or else my, the fantasy receipts account is just going to be one c- constant clip of me saying yeah. I was wrong with all these. It's going to be like an Oscars montage where, oh yeah, let's, let's take a look at the people who we lost Kevin multiple times. So. <laughs> no. Well, I still think that that was a very fair assessment though, based on, the offseason rumors and historically how Josh McDaniels has operated his running back rooms. I don't totally. think that it was just, you know, I don't like this guy. I'm going to make up some reason and kind of like try to connect the dots with face paint. You know, I think he really just is competing for that fifth year contract. And I think he really wants to show that he's worthy of going to another team. And we've seen a lot of players do this when they're competing for contracts. I mean, just so many of them. And even on a piss poor Raiders offensive line, to be totally fair, like Jacobs has shown up and shown out. And I don't think I ever expected with both the timeshare and that offensive line that Jacobs was going to be as good as he was. So. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, we'll, we'll save the Josh Jacobs stuff for next week when I have to make a, uh, elongated soliloquy about how much I was wrong about him. Um, let's go into the week nine stuff here. So um, I think I'll start off uh, this week with our cover boy, uh, AJ Brown, who's ready. going to be putting up two touchdowns and 125 yards on the Texans. Uh, that game is going to get ugly. Like UGLY ain't, ain't, ain't got no alibi. Like you ugly. It's going to be so Look, the Texans could not compete with Malik Willis in the well, let's just be fair. They could not compete with Derrick Henry. That that's it. Like that those two teams are like shells. So add the Eagles to that, who I believe are 14 point favorites. And I believe I actually tweeted with Sawhook today about the fact that he said it was crazy that it was 14. I said, yeah, it should have been 27 and a half. Um, because I think that game's gonna get out of hand very quickly. Um, through the air. Uh, I mean, it could be Devonta Smith for all we know, because he really didn't get in on the touchdown love last week against the Steelers. But I mean, AJ Brown's a grown ass man. And I'm sorry. I think he's a top three wide receiver right now in football and fantasy, at least. Um, that's how I, I, for me, it's, it's CM or I'm sorry, it's Cooper cup. It's Jefferson. And I think it's AJ Brown right after that. Um, so fight me on that. 
I don't think get too much blowback on that, but um, yeah, AJ Brown. I mean, he's the Stefan Diggs to Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen. Like that's Jalen Hurts is going to win MVP, and in a lot a large part because of AJ Brown, and obviously Goddard and uh, Devonta Smith are going to have a part in that. But yeah, AJ Brown's going to go scorched earth on this Texans uh, secondary. What do you think? What do you guys think? I think 100%. I think that, you know, the Texans have done a little bit better in kind of rebuilding their secondary, but there's no way that they're going to be able to pressure Hertz into making bad decisions. I mean, they just don't have enough personnel in that front seven. They don't have enough longevity or depth in that front seven, because we know that that Philly defense is going to run that Houston offense three and out every single time. That defense is going to get tired. A.J. Brown is going to be able to smoke everybody on defense because they're so gassed. I mean, they're just going to absolutely crush. And I want to point out that earlier on in the season that there were some stats about Jalen Hurts um, not putting up good numbers against the Blitz. And then he kind of looked around and did some film work and decided how to get more comfortable in the pocket. And now his completion percent, against the blitz in these past uh, two or three games have been the best in the entire league. Like everything on this team is clicking 100%. We're cooking with gas in Philly and it pains me to say it as a Cowboys fan, but AJ Brown is a huge part of this and he is going to scorch the Texans. Gary. You guys said it all. I, I'm just, I just want to see it. It's just fun. I having the hurts. Brown stack in a couple of places. It just feels good. It feels nice. It's warm. It's fuzzy. It's literally printing money uh, for anybody who has that. So I uh, certainly love to see it. Uh, Gary, what are you excited about in week nine? I'm excited to see the usage of Kadarius Tony. I don't know that it's going to be a ton, but he, he is just such an electric playmaker. I, I, I personally believe that the only player that he really comps to are either it's like Debo and Tyreek and he's not anywhere as good as either of them but he has attributes of but he has Tyreek speed it feels like in Debo's change of direction and twitchiness and I just I'm I'm here for it I just want to see it I know that this will probably not be a heavy week for his integration but dude just see some end rounds with him like it's fun watching the Hardman ones just because he's pretty quick but I want to see what Tony can do in that offense even if it takes two weeks it's just it's just a fun, like, that move feels like a fantasy football move. Let's just go and light a match on this gasoline. Well, and during the preseason, when Kyle Trask came out to play, there were a few tweets that I saw that said, Kyle Trask only looked good because of Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts. And I'm so excited to see him in an actual offense that will utilize him in a passing role. I know he still has a lot to clean up on his route running. He's a young player that can be done. Do you really think that Mahomes is going to care if he like screws up a little bit on his routes? No, Mahomes is going to side arm it to him. He's going to be fine. He's going like, to find the back it to him. Yeah, right. It might take him a week or two to get familiar with this offense. But I mean, we've seen, I mean, hell, we even saw a couple weeks ago, McCole Hardman scored like two or three touchdowns. Like, let's get real. Anybody on this offense can score at any time. And having this weapon, especially a guy with this skill set, who magically isn't hurt anymore is pretty damn exciting. Yeah, he is that that gif of Kevin Nash like taking he is in the leg cast and he takes off the blanket and just gets up and walks away. That's Kadarius Tony right now. Uh but we know the dude's talented. I mean, he had that game against Dallas where he just looked like he was on another planet. Uh he had what 189 receiving yards, uh 13 targets in that game uh last year. Uh, but he's also can be used, you know, as you know, they love to use Nicole Hardman in the rush game and they love the pop-up passes like Kadarius Tony can be like an upgraded version of that. So I actually don't like uh, McCole Hardman as much going forward. I think this kind of signaled, I'm not going to say the end of Sky Moore, but you know, as far as him being a thing this year, I think that's kind of uh, being tucked away and put between the pages. So uh, if we can get Canarius Tony to about, you know, 50, 60% of the routes, if he's feeling good, if he's healthy, that's the main thing where, you know, he's saying he's healthy, but 
you know, it remains to be seen. Um, you know, but I'm very excited about seeing Kadarius Tony in this offense. I mean, we know it's going to be, you know, MVS and Juju, but I don't think, I think Tony probably has, is, is a parallel as far as athleticism, you know, just size, size and speed adjusted. Uh, to MVS because we know MVS is like a six foot five freak that can run a four four. Uh, but I think Kadarius Tony, easy for me to say, is right up there with him. So, um, I'm very excited. I mean, the rich get richer, and yeah, you know, uh, and then there are the I, rest of us. Yep. And then here we are rostering Velas Jones Jr. Uh, <laughs> um, so let's go over to uh Britt for what you're excited about. So I'm excited about this Seahawks Cardinals Cardinals matchup because the first week we were completely misled and led astray by everybody thinking that this was going to be a shootout. It was like a 50 and a half over under. And then the game ended up 19 to nine, 19 to nine. What's different within this past two weeks? DeAndre freaking Hopkins is back with the Cardinals. That is what is different. And I am so stoked to see what is going to happen. Now that the Cardinals have one of the best wide receivers in the entire league back with them, now that DK Metcalf is presumably healthy. I know he was limited today, but they said he was limited all week last week. And then he, you know, did what he did. Um, And being in Arizona, I think this is going to be a completely different atmosphere than it was in Seattle. Seattle is notoriously loud, notoriously difficult to play in. I think we are finally going to get the shootout that we were promised two weeks ago with the Seahawks Cardinals game. And I cannot wait. Did Walker play in that game? I think so. That that only, it's so weird to me. That was two weeks. Was that the game like, that Penny got hurt? Yeah, he did. He ninety-seven and a touch and a touchdown. With okay, that's so that must have been the week after. That. After like, it feels yeah. like it was forever ago. It does it's what? That's what eight weeks does to you. <laughs> but I mean, but, but, but they weren't forced to pass any because Arizona was just so flaccid on offense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now I think they actually will like have that firepower with Hopkins. Well, there's, a, there's so many pieces between those two offenses now, you know, that are fantasy relevant. I mean, I think Ertz is top five right now, maybe top six. Then you said Hopkins. Rondell Moore has shown up as being like a flex guy. Plus, then you have Kyler and you have whatever back is going to be there. You're still going to probably start them. And then you have what? You have uh, Gino, who's crazy, like actually relevant now. And then the uh, Walker. The two wide receivers and hell, I mean, maybe they're going to have a, a Disley sighting, big Montana or whatever coming out. <laughs> yeah. Who had Seattle being good on, on their bingo card? Cause not me. I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins has a 37 and a half percent target share in the last two weeks since he's been back. Like he has clearly proven he is not, you know, he's been working out last six weeks, you know, the first six weeks of the season. And now the dude is just, he's absolutely everything that they needed once they lost Marquise Brown. Like he just stepped in and they did not lose a beat. I mean, granted, they're still kind of losing games. They should win, but at least they're doing it. Uh, with Hopkins for fantasy purposes, so I guess beggars can't really be choosers. But uh, yeah, Hopkins is is just that dude. Um, I mean, he could easily finish uh, from the rest of the season as like a top ten wide receiver just just based on the based on the pace. Like the dude could still put up like you know 80, 90 catches, uh, even missing six games. And that's just wild to me. But and we, and I was a guy that was kind of counting him out, but at least at that price that he was going at, knowing he was going to miss the first six weeks, it was definitely worth it to be able to get a stud like that. So um, I did take, I will say I did take Godwin more than Hopkins because they were about the same price, but um, you know, still both really good uh, payoffs there. If you held on to them for the first uh few weeks of the season so yeah hopkins is that dude certainly and i am excited to see him as well um going over to the things that we're nervous about uh gary i'll start with you on this one so we talked about the packers lions matchup and honestly aaron Rodgers. if aaron Rodgers doesn't do it this week like what the i don't even know what to expect for rogers ceiling in a game that he should crush you're preaching buddy Unless Lazard is in, I just don't know. Or he's able to get multiple touchdowns from Aaron Jones. I, I, regardless of what you think about, 
Alan Lazard. He, he is a th- good, he is a trusted weapon for Aaron Rodgers compared to these youngsters who are getting called out by Rodgers. So you really just have Aaron Jones. It's not like AJ Dillon's doing much. Man, like I think this is the last week where you're forced to start him. And if he does not put up a top 12 finish, I would actually even say a top eight finish. I think that he's droppable. He should not, not droppable. He should be dropped. Like more than just droppable, he should not be on rosters. Yeah, I had that same feeling last week, um, but my only backup was Daniel Jones. And I was like, you know what? Fine. I'm tired of holding on to the name recognition of Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to start Daniel Jones. And then we saw how that ended up. So yeah. um, it's not, well, it was a dynasty league. So that kind of puts a little bit of context to it. But I completely agree. Like Aaron Rodgers has not lived up to his back-to-back MVP moniker. Um, he's not lived up to his Hall of Fame career. Everybody who said that Aaron Rodgers was going to be fine without Devontae Adams, how do you feel now? Stupid. Go on my <laughs> go on my Twitter feed, which is about half Packer fans, and please tweet that out. Um, yeah. No, I don't want that smoke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers on a per game basis has not been that been that much better than like Zach Wilson. Like that's where we're at with with Aaron Rodgers. And you know, my trials and tribulations with the Alan Lazard uh, experience have been well documented in this space. So. Um, I won't go too much in depth there, but yeah, um, that offense is just not right. You know, you take a hey, G you take away a pro bowler, you take away an all pro wide receiver. I wonder what's going to happen. Oh, but they were seven and oh, okay. Well, here comes the other side of variance because it's Aaron Rodgers, and he does not. I mean, Alan Lazard's profited, I guess, but, and then Dobbs had a touchdown, uh, some dude named Samari Toure. They took him a seventh round, uh, had a touchdown, uh, at the end of uh, Sunday Night Football, they were never in that game. Like that, the game was twenty-seven seventeen. That game that was never in doubt by Buffalo. So, yeah, uh, yeah, the Packers are not in a good spot. And let me just say, Twitter was absolutely reasonable and fantastic after Green Bay did not acquire uh, anybody at the trade deadline. So, uh, yeah, uh, good ups on them, I guess. But. Uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers could probably get dropped. I mean, Jacoby Brissett's outperforming him in fantasy. That's pretty much all you yeah. need to say about that. Yeah, it's well, sad. We'll move on so we can stop lamenting. Yeah, for, for, for some sanity uh, amongst your uh, stream participants here. Uh, well, hey, I'll make you <laughs> feel better about this one, Kev, since you already like had to play up Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs. I'll talk oh, about somebody God. I'm worried who you talked about early on in this season, who you were worried about. And that's Derrick Henry. I am very worried about Derrick Henry this week going against the chiefs. They are 12 and a half point underdogs. The chiefs or the Titans literally have four wide receivers on their roster Four. that's it. The rest of them are on IR or on the practice squad. They don't have anybody to throw to. So you know that they're just going to try to, put this game on Derrick Henry's back. We still don't know if Tannehill's going to be healthy. And Derrick Henry has only had one game so far this year under 20 attempts. That was against Buffalo when they were huge, huge uh, underdogs. And we saw how that turned out. I think this game is going to be the same. Kansas City has allowed the third fewest rushing yards per game in the entire league. Not necessarily because I think Kansas City is impeccably good against the running back. It's that Kansas City get out or gets out to such a lead that their that negative game script comes into play. So it's just passing, passing, passing. But either way, I don't really know if Derrick Henry is going to have the kind of fantasy day that we want and or expect from him, especially as a first round running back in a week that we have six buys. And we really need him to perform. Yeah, that must mean Derrick Henry is the seventh buy, um, at least at least for this intrepid uh, Britt Flynn here. But yeah, I mean he's already you know limited in practice with the foot injury. I'm pretty sure it's just the same. I'm not sure if it's a reaggravation or whatnot, or just some general soreness. But uh, that's typically not great for a running back. Some say so. Um, I am a little bit concerned there, but yeah, he was going up against what essentially was glass Joe for Mike Tyson's punch out. 
with the Texans last week and now goes up against, I mean, the Chiefs can be run on. I mean, that's no secret there, but uh, when you're, you are the offense, um, that's probably not good. Um, yeah. And I would, you said there are four wide receivers, Britt. Um, I would classify that as one uh robert woods i was then, being charitable all right i was being yeah charitable. well charity charity stops here brit <laughs> when it comes to the titans pass catchers um yeah when you go on my target report you will see that that is emphatically true uh whenever i talk about the uh tennessee titans but yeah uh i guess gonna be very uh we already talked about uglwy ain't got no alibi um it could be ugly gary i love it no, you guys, I got nothing else to add. The, the only saving grace that the Titans have is that Frank Clark was suspended for two games. So, I, but <laughs> let's be honest, they still are going to get overmatched. And Derrick Henry is amazing, but you can only do so much when you're down three scores. Yep. Exactly. Um, and then let's get to mine. Uh, mine is the Chargers. Uh, so, I mean, I guess I can just remove Austin Eckler from the equation. Yeah, basically. But Mike, uh, Mike Williams is hurt. Keenan Allen said his hamstring got worse since the bye week. Like, <laughs> oh, what were you that. doing? What were you doing? Like, plieing? Were you, like, in, like, the nutcracker or something like that and doing plies? Not that I know about ballet or anything, but good God. Like, how does that even happen on a bye week? Uh, so right now you're running out uh, – who is, who is a Jag, Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter, Gerald Everett, Justin Herbert's already banged up with a rib injury. Like the chargers are like uh, legitimately like the seven or eight years ago chargers where it seemed like everybody and their mother got hurt. Like they're making a nice return to that, which is, I don't know if it's a tribute piece uh, by Tom Telesco and those guys, but you know, good on them for always uh, remembering who came before you. So uh, it can be ugly for the Chargers outside of Austin Eckler. Um, I'm not enthused. I mean, it looks, doesn't sound like they're going to have Keenan ba- Allen back anytime soon. I mean, when he was out there before the bye, he ran 20% of routes and then didn't play at all in the second half. So uh, just very concerned overall. Well, and this is a good way to segue into some DFS advice. Um I know when I first started playing DFS, I like to look at matchups and be like, oh, but they're really good against this guy or this defense, and they're really good against this defense. Take into account the factors of all the players on this team that you don't have playing, because if you don't have a pass game, it doesn't matter how good Austin Eckler is going to be against this run defense. If they don't respect the pass, they are going to stack the box and completely destroy you that way and that is just gonna kind of implode on you and I think you're completely right Kevin I'm super worried about the Chargers as a whole over the past three games Justin Herbert has only put up 14 points per game in each of the past three games I mean that is terrible terrible so uh yeah Gary what do you think just makes me so sad. Like Justin Herbert's so good, and he just keeps getting screwed over and screwed over. Like physically gifted, just an awesome quarterback. But I don't know. They. What else do you want to do? Like when your top two guys are out. I mean, Gerald Everett's going to be a solid start, and so is Eckler. And that. I mean, that's it. You know, you're starting Herbert because you can't not. I don't know. Fields or Herbert? Are you going to start Fields? Yeah, that's. I think so. So that's a good I mean, question. That's probably like the dividing line right there. Like Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert. I think Rodgers, I don't feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think I mean, the same. It's a grab situation. Like I have, I have to decide Dalton or Herbert. And I was like, I have to go Herbert. <laughs> anyway. So yes, I, I think that that question just, it, it emphasizes how, how crappy it, it is. And, I can't imagine being the, was it Telesco? Is he the owner of the Chargers? I can't even remember anymore. The GM. GM, thank you. Uh, it was just, it, they always get screwed over. Yep. Yeah. And, and the worst thing about it is they get like the ultimate pass funnel matchup against the Falcons this weekend with yeah. AJ Terrell out and they can't even like take advantage of it. Like go Go stash DeAndre Carter, I guess, for what stone men or at least thirty five hundred. 
on DraftKings. It's got to be. Um, or like when the, when the Falcons traded for Rashad Fenton, it made me wonder if, how long AJ Terrell is actually going to be out for. The fact that they were like, we have to go get something just to have a body in there. And, and, and a real, yeah, and, and they also traded uh, Dean Marlowe to the Bills, which I thought was hilarious because uh, they he was the guy that got torched by DJ Moore on that long play, and the Bills were like, we have to have that guy. Just, like, it makes no sense. It makes can you no get sense. torched by Tyreek Hill, too? Right. All right, come on. Seventh rounder, let's go. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I know we had uh, scampers in here talking about is it gross to be excited about PJ to DJ? Uh, no, it is not gross. Uh, if anything, uh, you're, you, I don't think you're excited enough because uh, not saying that PJ Walker is like the next coming of uh, Kurt Warner, but like it's good for DJ Moore. And I'm sorry that penalty for taking off his helmet was just 100% bullshit. And that's probably in cost them the game, I would say, too. So, um, yeah, not great. Um, we'll run through. Yeah, we're going to rapid fire these. Uh, the last part of our uh, strategy session here with one question that we want answered about. Players. It's a lightning round. The entire show is predicated on the idea of lightning round. That's what I originally <laughs> wanted to do here. You went with rapid fire. Come on. I don't know. What I don't you're know talking how about. Well, okay. So we would have rather had just flames instead of. I would have rather had lightning. Honestly, I would rather had lightning versus the flames. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a lightning guy, as I have epilepsy and they gave me seizures. Anyway, one question that we want answered about a player situation week nine. I will uh, do mine real quick. Uh, can Travis Etienne be an RB one rest of the season now that he has a little competition around him and uh, some likely negative game scripts that will allow some passing to him? I'm very excited about the Travis Etienne experience now, and it's not just because I have him as my running back in King's Classic. Um, yeah, I mean they shipped out James Robinson. He got all the work like we pretty much thought that would happen. He is just a master of ripping off chunk plays. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you think about Travis Etienne RB one season? We'll just do go around real quick with that. I'm here for it. Yeah. No question. Like I, 100%. I, I had to look at the show doc to say, is he saying the RB one or an RB one? And you're saying an RB one, no question. The RB one from here to the end of the season. It's a bit I frothy. say no, like it's a little, it's a little spicy, but he could get there. It's CMC was and, on the Niners. I would say it's possible. And me and my infinite, uh, my great uh, grammarly here, I put a RB1 because, you know. A uh, uh, RB1. A uh, RB1. <laughs> uh, Brett, one, the question you want answered about a player situation in week nine. So I really need to know, are the Carolina Panthers going to split carries between Donta Foreman and Chuba Hubbard like they did that first week after they traded CMC? Because... All of us who were at work and were bartending when that trade went down and somebody had already picked up Donta Foreman in several of the leagues. And so they got left with Chuba Hubbard desperately needs to know, can we start him or is Donta Foreman going to be the guy going forward? Gary. Sorry, right. I was muted. I was responding to Wendy. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I think that Foreman should do I, that. He sh they should do that with him. I don't see like I think it will be a not a one A to one B. I think it'll be a, a one and then like a two A. I don't know if that makes sense. Like I think Chuba is going to get let's just say thirty percent to seventy percent. It's almost going to be more of like a Zeke Pollard thing. I don't even know if that's the right phrasing. I think that Foreman could be the future for that team, and that they're they could ride him for the next one to two years and just don't worry about it. Like he does not have where on the tires other than the the uh, Achilles, but he's clearly recovered. It's been several years. I love it. I, I think he's going to be awesome, and they can actually use him to not spend a pick on a running back in the draft. Yeah, I think Foreman's definitely carved out the, the main role in that offense. Like, they've been trotting out with Chuba Hubbard out. They trotted out the, um, well, the Spencer Browns and the Raheem Blackshears, but you know, I think it's I think you're pretty close to that, Gary, with the 30, well, 30 percent for Chuba Hubbard it takes a little bit off the top. But I still think Foreman is fine as far as uh, getting that starter share. I mean, the other shoes got to drop for Carolina, I would assume, at least getting into more negative game scripts, because I mean, I think they're just running hot right now. So I think we might be seeing the best out of Deonta Foreman. Uh, so 
you know, I think he can be at least a middle road to low end RB two most weeks. Obviously, has upside if he gets in the end zone, but I do feel like that's few and far between with this offense. Or what do I know? We don't know shit about fuck. So who knows? Carolina could just go on a run and you know just completely ruin our lives, and then we're all on fantasy receipts from here to eternity. Uh, like I already was once with my Dante Foreman tweet. PJ Walker uh, has ascended. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. He is no longer XFL superstar no. PJ Walker. He is NFL. Yep. Good quarterback PJ Walker. Kurt Warner two point right now. Uh, <laughs> so I'll just say mine really quick. I don't even know the discussion because it's so tough with this. This is just. I just want to know: Is the Chiefs gonna make any substantive change in their backfield for so that for us that we have a viable fantasy back? I have no interest in starting pretty much anyone on that team, including CEH, unless it by apocalypse and you kind of have to. Even then, I, I really am trying to find somebody else. We need to see something. And I think Isaiah Pacheco should be that person where they give them a little bit extra. We did see it in previous years. Like Derek Gore, dude, when they gave Derek Gore enough carries, like you get these guys going and they have a full head of steam. Uh, but who the hell? I mean, they also brought in Kadarius Tony, so maybe he's going to be siphoning like five touches, five carries a game. <laughs> I yeah, mean, he has run the ball with the Giants, so yeah, he'll be using those Tyree Kill like little jet sweep motions. Yeah, the, the pop up passes. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I will if it's split like it has been, like 30, 30, 30 percent. I have no problem dropping Pacheco unless you just he is viewed to me as a a handcuff and a break class in case of emergency, same as CEH. I'm probably not dropping CEH just because of the name recognition, though. Yeah, that whole backfield is like persona non grata for me. Yeah. Um, CEH is like the de facto leader in the case of you drafted in the highest. And Pacheco has like size and like really good measurables, but he is a dog shit running back as far as like actual skills. Uh, but Jarek McKinnon is the best receiving back and run, it gets the most snaps out of all those backs every week. So, I mean, it's really like the, the worst Sophie's choice of all time with these three running backs. I'm starting McKinnon if I really have a choice in the matter, but I don't you never feel good about starting a Chiefs running back. Uh, so I just can't wait until Kansas City drafts Sean Tucker from Syracuse next year and completely makes that a, like a four-way backfield and just ruins all our lives. So, um, yeah, I, that's my funny way of saying <laughs> good luck finding any clarity in this backfield. Yeah, you guys so. said it all. I I have no idea what's going on with with anything in that backfield. Yeah, that's about where we're at with uh, with Kansas City. And I'll answer this question real quick before we head out. I have Kittle on by. The Fab is 150. I have 113. How much do I bid on Evan Engram? Uh, too bad we don't have Coop for this one. I could call him live from Reykjavik, but I think he might be sleeping at this point. It might be like 3 or 4 in the morning. Jeez, oh, I'd probably – I mean, Evan Engram has been pretty solid the last couple of weeks. I'd probably put – 10, 50%. I'd probably bid if I have 113 out of 150, I'm probably bidding like 20. I'm yeah. going to do 25. Yeah. So the, anytime people ask fab questions like this and you have somebody on a buy, that always the question is who is the guy if you miss out on Engram that you're going to end up picking up for free or something that you're going to put a dollar on, whatever it is. Because if that player is, I don't I insert terrible tight end right now, Noah Fant, then you want yeah, to make sure it. that you get Evan Evan Ingram. And if you're thinking 25, then just add two extra dollars because who cares? Beating somebody out by like two bucks when you added three is like the greatest thing in the world. Yep. And then bidding 25 when nobody else bid is the worst. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it does. And that it does. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, we will head on out of here. Gary, again, thank you for coming on, my friend. It's always a pleasure when our paths cross uh, getting on here to uh, talk some ball. I love it. Thank you guys for having me. It's always um, fun to see your beautiful faces and actually get to talk with you live rather than with my thumbs via our group message that is going at all hours of the day, I feel like, especially now with Coop being uh, international. Yeah, at all times. We got the original like crew back together today. It was great. Thank you right? for coming on. The it's calm intense. before the storm crew. I love yes. it. Fighting chance. Absolutely. Fighting chance live. 
Yes. The uh, yes, that too as well. Uh, please like our video so we can all eat. Uh, at least I, one of us has kids. Gary has kids. I do. Uh, so please feed him, feed you and by hitting the like button and subscribing if you haven't. Um, before I go uh, next week, we will not have Coop, but we will have Kendall Valenzuela on with us, too. So that'll be awesome uh, to have her. Uh, the estrogen will be flowing. I will be severely outnumbered uh here so finally uh, i finally i know right <laughs> i mean at, at worst it's been 2v2 you know with like san Praviti and jen piacenti and now i'm screwed so i mean i love it i can't wait i can't wait either it'll be a lot of fun uh again gary thank you so much you know what when we get out we'll get out of here i'm kevin topkins for brit flynn as well gary lead us out toodles